0: The church we see is a family a community of people from all
1: cultures and generations
0: a place anyone can call home the church we see is a reflection of jesus demonstrated in the way we live
1: and the way we love the
0: church we see is the hope of the world where lives are restored healed transformed the church we see is an army of ordinary people yet we are kingdom
1: ambassadors seeing heaven invade earth this is the church we see This is the church we see.
0: This is the church we see. This is the church we see.
1: Come on. Well, it is so great to be with you. Those of you who are here in the room also joining online and Leicester and my wonderful family in Kingsgate, Cambridge, I love you. And today I want to talk to you about a very special day. And uh, this day was over seven years ago. Actually, 2,752 days, if you want to note that down. And uh, this day was the 1st of August, 2014. And uh, if you look online, this might not crop up as a special day globally or even nationally, but this was a special day for me because this was my wedding day. And this was the day that Annabelle and I got married. I think we might have a little picture for us. Look how, look how lo- young we look there. Look how young Annabelle still looks. I've, um, I've gained a little bit of extra hair along the way. And... This day was so amazing and so wonderful as we united our lives together in the presence of our family and friends. I know that some of you joined us for that day. There was celebration and singing and joy and food and parties, and it was so incredible and so special. But you know, there will one day come a day, and there will one day come a wedding that is even more significant and even more important for me, for Annabelle, but also for all of us here. Because one day, a day is coming where there will be a wedding between Jesus and his bride. You know, the Bible teaches that there is a day coming when Jesus, the bridegroom, will be forever united and connected in with his church for all of eternity, And that's what we're going to be looking at today. In this series, the church we see, the church we see is a bride. The church that God sees is a bride, is a family. And we're going to go on over the next few weeks. But it also is a bride. And you know, we can read the whole of the biblical narrative. And we can see this come up again and again and again as we go through the story. And I just want to take you through it very, very, very quickly. You know, this story of a bridegroom passionately pursuing and wooing and chasing after his bride starts from before the foundation of the world. In Ephesians 1, Paul says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. It started way, 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 way back before we existed, before the world even existed. The bridegroom wanted his bride. And then God created, and he created people, and he created his people, and he chose them for his own. We see this in Exodus 6 verse 7. It says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. He pledges himself to them. He promises himself to them. He reveals himself to them. And he says that I am your husband. Isaiah 54 verse 5, for your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. He chooses his people. He promises himself and then he comes in person. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, enters onto the scene to show us the love of God, to show us the passion of God, to show us what a bridegroom loving his bride looks like, even to death on a cross. And when he did that, the door was open for all of us here in the room and tuning in to come and be a part of his family and to unite ourselves with his bride. And that's where we live. We live here in the now. Jesus has come, but the wedding has not happened yet. The wedding is still to come. And we read about the wedding in the last book of the Bible in Revelation. Revelation 19, starting to read at verse 6, says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready, fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. You know, that is going to be such an amazing day. In the book of Isaiah, it talks about uh, aged meat and fine wine. I love that. We're going to have like 28-day fillet steaks and chateau neuf de Vegetarians, there may be another option. There's going to be celebration. There's going to be a party. There's going to be joy because Jesus and his church will be together forever as one. And, you know, as we think about this, it's really important for us to remember that Jesus is not coming back for brides. He's coming back for his bride, singular. You are not the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ, together as Kingsgate, multi-site, but also the global church. That is what Jesus loves, and that is what Jesus is passionate about. And if ever we get tempted to disconnect ourselves from the church, then there may be a reality that we disconnect ourselves from that future party that is to come. You know, I believe Jesus today is offering us an invitation. Wherever we're at in our faith, however we feel towards Jesus, maybe we're just tuning in because we haven't got anything else to do today. Jesus is offering an invitation to say, come and be my bride. And how this fully works, we don't fully know. You know, Paul, even in the letter to the Ephesians, he talks about it as a profound mystery. And I love that. So whenever we get a little bit confused about this, then we can just say, oh, it's a profound mystery. <laughs> but I want to propose a couple of things to us today. And I want to propose, that although the wedding has not yet been, we are living, as it were, in the engagement period. We are living in the time where we are the (laughs) bride-to-be. This says bride-to-be if you can't read it. (laughs) And there are things that we can do in the meantime to get ourselves ready for that day. You know, when Annabelle and I got engaged, I hadn't realized how much there was to do to prepare for a wedding. I had to arrange the menu, the venue, the seating. There were save the dates. Those are a thing. We decided to make these really fancy save the dates. I've got one here still, where you opened it and it like tied a knot because we were going to tie the knot. Yeah, don't do it. It took forever. (laughs) All of this preparation, all of this planning, and then on the morning as well, hours of preparation and getting ready, and that was just me. Annabelle had to get ready as well. But there's lots to do in preparing for a wedding, and Kingsgate, there's lots for us to do as we prepare for that future wedding. And there's so much that I could share with you, but I just want to share two things briefly with you about how we can prepare for this wedding. And the first one is this. Let's stay faithful in the waiting. Let's stay faithful in the waiting. As part of the wedding ceremony, uh, Annabelle's granddad, who was officiating our wedding, uh, he said these words. He said, "'Chris, will you take Annabelle to be your wife?' Will you love her, comfort her, honor and protect her? And forsaking all others, be faithful to her as long as you both shall live. And then he said the same to Annabelle. Annabelle, will you take Chris to be your husband? Will you love him, comfort him, honor and protect him? And forsaking all others, be faithful to him as long as you both shall live. And you know, our relationship as the church with Jesus is supposed to be one where we say these words, where we live forsaking all others and being faithful as long as we both shall live. You know, when Alabama and I said those words to each other, it wasn't that something actually changed in the moment. What was happening was we were verbalizing, expressing a reality of a commitment that we had already made in our hearts and in our lives. We were already living that way. And the same is true for us. Let's not wait for the future wedding before we decide that we are going to live lives that are faithful to the one who is calling us. Because you know, there is amazing truth that Jesus will always, always, always be faithful to us. Always. He has one bride and one love. He has no plan B. He has no other. He is pursuing us and loving us and he is faithful to us for all eternity. Come on. You know, Psalm 100, verse 5, I love it. It just pulls us out. It said, the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. His faithfulness continues to each generation. Jesus will never cheat on us. He is always faithful. But if we look through the arc of the biblical narrative, and if we look into our own lives, I know that there are moments when the people of God and this person of God and this part of the bride of God is not always as faithful to Jesus as I may Want to be. There are moments when I go and I pursue other things and I chase after other things. And in the midst of that, again, the wonderful truth it says in the Bible that if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. But that doesn't change the fact that I have a choice to make in the here and now about how I will respond to Jesus. About how those of us who are Christians who have united ourselves as the bride, how we will respond to Jesus. And the question is will we stay faithful? in the waiting? Or will we, as it were, cheat on Jesus? And this might sound like a bit of a strange concept. You're like, Chris, you're going off on one here. But, but I'd like to propose that there are many ways that we can cheat on Jesus. I think we cheat on Jesus when we listen more to the voice of the world than to the voice of his word speaking to us and moving in our lives. I'd like to propose that maybe we cheat on Jesus when we care more about the approval of the social media masses than we do the applause of nail-scarred hands and the one who we are really living for. I'd like to propose maybe we cheat on Jesus when we live, Monday through Saturdays, if he doesn't exist, and then we come on Sunday and we tune in online and we put on our Christian mask and we say, everything's okay, we love you, Jesus. You now, I know in my life, there are places I can go, there are things that I can pursue that are not Jesus, but I don't, I don't want to live that way. I want to live in a way that says, "You know what, Jesus? You have been so faithful to me when I have turned away and I have chased other things. You keep pursuing me. You keep loving me. You stay faithful, and I want to respond to that in return." Yeah. And the wonderful thing about Jesus is He actually makes a way for us to do this. He He is faithful to us. He calls us, but then He equips us to be faithful. The first thing He's done is already died for us. <laughs> he's already made a way for us to be united and forgiven. The second thing is He's given us His Word. In Ephesians, that same bit where Paul talks about the marriage of husbands and wives, Christ and his church is a profound mystery. He says this. He says, husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. You know, when we get into the word, it's not just instruction for our heads, but it's cleansing and renewing for our minds and our hearts and our soul. And it awakens faithfulness in us. He's given us his word. He's given us his spirit. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is Philippians 2.13. It says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You know, do you want to stay faithful to Jesus? Do you want to stay faithful? If you do, then God can come, enhance that desire, increase that desire, and then give you the power and the ability to do it. But you know, he's also made another way for us to stay faithful. And that is, again, remember, we together are the bride. He has given us each other. He's given us each other. The Christian life is not one that we live trying to be faithful alone, but it's one where we come together and inspire and equip and challenge each other. Paul writing to the church, and, and you know, this, this really is something that I, I feel for us here as well. He says, I'm jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. You know, I want to encourage us, Kingsgate, let's be jealous for the faithfulness and the purity and the devotion of ourselves, yes, but also of our friends and of our life group and of those in our teams and of those that we know in this church. Let's jealously pray for each other where we know people are struggling with areas in their life. Let's get down on our knees and pray for the desire and the power to stay faithful to the one who is also faithful. But also, I want to encourage us, and this is something that is not necessarily easy for us to do, but to actually challenge and encourage each other verbally to stay faithful. You know, there was a a group uh, around in the 18th century, still around today, the Methodists, and they used to meet together. And basically, when they met together in small groups, they'd ask each other questions. And the questions basically were like, how have you sinned this week? How have you been tempted to sin this week? Is there anything you've done which you think might be sin this week, and you're not sure whether to tell me, but you think you should tell me? Tell me now. And they live their lives with this beautiful openness, not to shame each other, not to guilt each other, but to call out the reality of the identity. You are the bride. Let's stay faithful to Jesus. And so maybe there's a little 10-word question here I've got for us, which we might want to pick up and start asking each other and start asking our husbands and our wives, start asking our kids, our friends, our life group. And this is the question. How do you need help in staying faithful to Jesus? How do you need help in staying faithful to Jesus? Because we live in this in-between time. We are the bride-to-be. One day we will be united forever, faithful forever. But let's choose faithfulness now. And you know, we can choose faithfulness by saying no to lots of things. And that is good, and that is important. That will only ever take us so far. You know, the ultimate way I think that we want to prepare and stir our hearts for being the bride is by saying a big, big yes to Jesus. And so the second thing I want to share with you is this. Let's keep our passion burning bright. Let's keep our passion burning bright. You know, Jesus is passionate about us. He is passionate about his bride. And the wonderful thing is, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible and I read the kind of promises where it says like, Uh, Jesus will delight over you with singing. Where he says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I I really like that because I'm like, oh yeah, Jesus loves me. Jesus will delight in me. Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me. But did you know that basically every you that we read in the Bible is you plural? It is not written to you or to me, although we can pick it up and run with that. But it is written to us. You know, Jesus is passionate about us. He's passionate about his church, his bride coming together. And he desires... A bride who is passionate about him in return. You know, I've been working a lot from home recently, uh, as I imagine many of us have. And um, Annabelle is a teacher. And so there comes a time every day when I know she's going to come back through the door. And I'm, usually I'm kind of like, okay, come on. come on. like I'm ready. I'm waiting because I'm passionate about her. And I'm, it sounds a bit silly, doesn't it? I've missed her. It. It's been a day, but I've missed her. And I'm waiting for her to come. And when I hear either the ring of the doorbell or the key unlocking, i run from where I am. And I'm like, Annabelle. And I give her a big hug. And can you imagine what would happen if I did that? I'm running towards her. I'm like, I'm, I've missed you. I've been waiting for you. I love you. And I give her a hug. And she's just like, meh. because <laughs> so. passion needs to be reciprocated. And she doesn't do that, I like to say. She throws her arms around me as well because she's passionate about me. But that is the way that we are supposed to respond to Jesus' passion and delight for us, with passion of our own. And you know, there are many ways that we can get passionate in life. There are many ways that we can stir our passion for Jesus. I think, I keep waving this thing at you, but it's key. I think the Word is one of them. The Bible is one of them. When we read and reflect and meditate on the words and on the goodness of God, something happens when we do that. I've been finding for myself, I get passionate about God just when I spend time with Him. When I carve out time each day and say, you know what, God, I'm gonna get out and about and I'm gonna see you. I found that I get passionate about God when I give. When I when I actually put my money where my mouth is and my heart overflows into my wallet and I give, it increases my passion. I get passionate about God when I spend time with the people that he cares about, the poor and the lonely and the lost. It does something in us. I don't know where you're at, I don't know how passionate you're feeling today, whether you put yourself on one end of the spectrum, you're like, I've just been to Sainsbury's and poured myself a whole load of passion fruits. like, I'm on fire, I'm ready to go. Or maybe some of us here, we're a little bit like, you know, I'm a kiwi fruit that's just kind of been stood on a bit, I'm a bit mushy. I believe Jesus is calling us to greater passion. He's saying, come and increase your passion. You can do these things, yes, but there is one thing that you can do that more than anything will stoke the fires of your passion for me, and that is worship. And that is worship. You know, something amazing happens when we lift our voices, lift our hearts and our eyes and our hands, and we express the beauty and the glory of who God is. When we say, hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost his grip on me. When we sing, we praise you, we praise you. When we let our hearts overflow, whatever the songs are that are catching your heart, something happens when we do that. You know, we get lit up. We get set on fire. As we express our passion, it awakens more passion in return. So I want to encourage you, if you've lost the habit of worship, as I know I can so often do in my own private life, I want to encourage you to stoke those fires again and begin to worship. Begin to put those songs on and stir yourself and you will get set on fire. Like a candle burning in the dark. Be not on your own, you're a candle. But together we're a bonfire. And when we come, And we bring our light. And we bring our passion. And we come together as the bride. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And so I do want to encourage us all. Let's keep the habit of gathering and worshipping together. Let's not let this slide off as culture would like to pull us away and other things would like to pull us away. Let's say, you know what? No, I want to come and I want to bring the passion I have. Maybe the passion fruit, maybe the kiwi. It doesn't matter, but I want to come with the people of God. Bring what I have and be part of something more. Because, you know, worship is not the warm-up to the message. I want to tell you that. And uh, you think I'm joking. It is a little bit of a joke, but it's also true. We sometimes treat it this way, I think. We treat it this way when we look at the weather forecast on Saturday and we're like, oh, it's sunny. You know, maybe I could miss church, catch up later. Or we look at the weather forecast on Saturday and we go, it's rainy. I don't want to bike and get wet, so maybe I can miss church and catch up later. But it's not true. The message is important. These words I'm sharing you with are important. But worship and our heart's passion and our heart's devotion is something that is so, so special. I want to encourage us. Let's not lose that. Let's not lose the passion. If you are passionate here, then I want to encourage you, if you can, get with the people of God and let your passion and the fire in you catch in other people. And if you feel you've lost your passion, again, I want to encourage you, get with the people of God. Where we're gathering in our campuses, in the room, do that online campus, in your groups, and get set on fire by others. Because, you know, I sometimes lose my passion. But when I come together... And I worship with others. When I see, touching heaven a few times ago, there was one of our young people on the front dancing her heart out to God. It did something in me. It set me on fire. When I'm in Cambridge and I look around and I see people who are struggling in their lives and they're putting their hands in the air and they're offering a sacrifice of praise, it does something to me and it stirs me to greater passion. When we sing our songs, when we let that overflow in our hearts, And our eyes and our bodies in passionate praise. It's so beautiful and so wonderful. I just want to ask the band to come up as I come into land. A day is coming when Jesus will return for us, for his bride. And he will return with love and desire and delight and passion in his eyes. And in the meantime, we get to live as the bride-to-be. We get to cultivate our faithfulness. We get to cultivate our passion. We get to stir ourselves in praise and worship and, and all of these other things and everything else that connects you to the presence of God. And, and as we do, in Philippians 2.15, it says, as we do, we start to shine like stars. We shine like stars. A couple of nights ago, I went out for kind of an early morning walk. It was just getting light and there was one star shining over in the distance. I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's really cool. One star just burning bright burning on fire but you know there are other times I remember last year we were in Wales out and I, and we we looked up at the night sky and it wasn't just one star but it was hundreds and thousands connected together each burning bright but together and we literally just we got out some deck chairs and we just looked up and we just gazed at it for like a good hour <laughs> one star is beautiful but when we come together shining bright it's breathtaking and that is what the bride is supposed to be we're breathtaking. On my wedding day, when Annabelle walked down the aisle, every eye was on her. because She was breathtaking. And you know, we, as the bride of Christ, we need to realize that the eyes of the world are on us. And they are looking to us. <laughs> With everything that's gone on in these last couple of years, they're looking for us to say, is there something different about the way this group of people live? Is there something there? Is there hope? Is there commitment? Is there faithfulness? Is there desire? Is there passion? Do I want what they've got? And we can choose to come on Sunday or watch on Sunday and sweep our faith under the carpet, but that's not what's going to captivate the hearts of those that need Jesus. What's going to captivate is when we come and and we say, God, I'm imperfect. I have been unfaithful, but I lay down my life for you now. And I want to be set on fire for you. And I want to live for you. And I want to love. And I want to fix my eyes on you. Not just on Sunday, but also every day of the week. Burning bright. Burning with passion. As was once said, if we will set ourselves on fire, then people will come from miles around to see us burn. And so we're going to respond now. And I want to encourage us to stand. Stand at at home as well. those tuning in online. Jesus is here by His Spirit to meet with us and change us. And and I want us just to say a very simple prayer just in our own hearts. And the prayer we're going to pray is we're just going to say sorry to God for the things that we have done where we have been unfaithful. And I'm going to be saying this with you. Maybe you've never ever started a relationship with Jesus you can say this prayer now as well but I want to encourage you, why don't you just put a hand on your heart just as a way of saying like, I want to mean this from the depths of me and just in your own words I want to encourage you prayer is talking to God you can pray whether you've been a Christian for decades or you aren't yet and why don't you just bring to mind those things maybe where you know you've run after someone else or something else instead of Jesus why don't we just bring them to mind now Jesus, we say together as the bride that we are sorry for the ways that we have been unfaithful, for the ways that we have turned our backs on you. And God, we repent and we want to turn around from those things. We want to live faithful. We want to live lives that are fully devoted to you. So we just say we're sorry and we receive your forgiveness now. Thank you, Jesus that you paid the price for our forgiveness why don't you just receive forgiveness now whatever it is that you've done or not done his blood covers it why don't you just receive that now thank you Jesus thank you for your forgiveness and your cleansing and then we ask Holy Spirit would you come would you come on all of us right now Jesus, thank you that you desire a passionate bride and you are calling us to yourself. You are calling us to a life of deeper devotion and deeper passion. And so we just say together as a bride, again, why don't you just say this on your word? God, set me on fire. Set us on fire. May we burn bright when we come together. May we bring our candles and may we see this bonfire of your spirit. A bonfire of your presence and your passion and worship and praise awakening in our hearts. Awaken. Come to life. Those of you who you know your passion has died, just ask the Spirit to breathe on you now and awaken you to life. If you've never given your life to Jesus, ask Him to come and awaken you with passion right deep in your inner being. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Come. Set us on fire. Fill us again. We need you. We need you. We need your love. We need your breath. We're waiting for you. We're waiting for you, yes, for that final wedding day to come and we will be united forever. but we're waiting now. And we're calling on you to come now with passion and fire in this room, in our homes, in our cars, set us ablaze. We're waiting for you. We lift our hands. We lift our voices and we give you praise, King Jesus. We give you praise. We love you. Come, 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 come. Come, come, come. Holy Spirit, let's sing together. Come on, let's awaken this passion in our hearts with our hand